Hello, you are very welcome to episode 103 of F&I Rap Chat. Very special episode it is with the uh, amazing filmmaker and director Lenny Abramson. Yeah, we're really uh, delighted to have him on. We've been chasing him for ages. Um, and it's testament to the man that he said to us kind of very early on when we were doing the podcast that he'd love to come on. Um, but, you know, being a, being a rapper filmmaker, he was very busy with the, the really critically acclaimed uh, TV show, Normal People, which everybody is raving about. Um, even Feels like a real game changer, This, uh, you know, and I think the timing, as you were saying earlier, Paul, when we were talking, just the timing maybe of uh, everyone being in isolation and maybe just it's it's the love story that we needed at this time. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's... Um, it's number one. It's a great piece of work, as always, as you'd expect. But I think, just in terms of the zeitgeist, it seems to have really clicked at the right time. I think uh, it's a really special piece of work. I'm a big fan of it, um, not just because I knew I had them on the show uh, coming up over the you know the last couple of weeks or whatever, but uh, I'm a massive fan of his work, and I I think it's a real treat. So if you haven't seen it already. It's streaming on the BBC iPlayer and it's currently on the RTE player as well. So give it a watch. It, it's well if you've ever been in love. It, it, it's well worth worth your time. Yeah. Um, and you have some F and I news. I do, Polly. As it happens, uh, we <laughs> weekly we're we're doing a, um, online events um, by the name of F and I Home, F and I at Home, rather. Uh, where we interview uh, film and TV professionals uh, who are working to a very good standard and they talk about their work and they discuss, uh, um, you know, their I, I suppose their own struggles, not unlike the podcast. Um, and they also interact with uh, the audience in real time uh, where the audience and f uh, and and other people in the Irish film and TV industry or abroad even who have signed up to the event uh it is free, but what we are doing is raising money for uh, the children's ambulance service, Bumbulance. Um, we just wanted to give something back. Um, it's a wonderful service, and in some cases, some of those kids, it's quite literally their last journey. Um, so they do incredible work. So it's a, kind of a mixture of frontline staff uh, plus um, an incredible children's charity in itself. So... Um, if if you go to www.wearefni.com uh, you can see how you will be able to donate there's a text number and also um, you can donate over the website so check that out um, yeah so this week on uh, FNI at Home we have uh, the filmmaker director and educator Frank Berry who uh, has made in, in my opinion uh, probably Two of the best Irish uh, feature films, dramas, over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, Michael Inside, which is streaming on Netflix, and uh, I Used to Live Here. Two great, uh, wonderfully observed social dramas, um, uh, which I think are everybody should see uh, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Usually on Wednesdays, so if you go check out our social networks, uh, com and on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter you'll find out all the information about that and and we will have for the rest, for the remainder of lockdown somebody every week uh, coming on to chat about their work and we will, as I said, be supporting Bumbulance. Yeah. 
Um, so I'd like to give a shout out to everyone who part- participated in this week's fishing competition. Um, so something uh, I've been a judge on the panel for the last couple of years. Um, I won uh, the fishing award in 2012, and it was a huge uh, boost for for me at the time. Um, and got to make a film, and uh, yeah, so I. I was really honoured to be asked to come back as a judge. Um, so this year we were supposed to be doing it down in Dingle as part of the Baltina Festival, but that couldn't happen. So the ever resourceful Tor Cotton organised everything over Zoom. And uh, yeah, it was uh, really interesting to see and brilliant pitches uh, from six contestants um, and uh, a really worthy winner in in. Katie McNeese, uh, who has been on the show before. Ah, who we had on the show. Yeah. We had on the show as well during the Kerry episode, yeah, I believe, last year. in orbit. Um, so really excited to see what she's able to do with this. But um, uh, huge congrats to everyone who took part. I was really um, bowled over by the, the quality of the pitches. So, uh, yeah. Uh, for So keep an eye out for for next year. So any budding writers, um, don't be put off by the Irish. Um as long as you try and make an effort with the Irish and you take it seriously, uh, and that you can that the the end product is what the the main thing is, uh, it's a brilliant scheme. So uh, definitely keep it keep an ear out for that. Absolutely, and there's lots of other funding opportunities coming up over the next year. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, keep trying, keep uh, throwing shit against the wall, as it were. Some of it will stick. Uh, so yeah, without any further ado. Let's go to Lenny Abramson. Lenny Abramson, how are you? I'm very well, and thanks for having me. That's great to have you. Uh, congratulations on the what seems like universal critical acclaim of your latest show, Normal People. Uh, well done. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's been it's been an amazing week or so since it dropped on on BBC. Yeah, just kind of hard to process it. Really. <laughs> Do you ever get used to that? <laughs> well, it, this has never happened before. I mean, you know, th- this is sort of uh, this feels much more um, kind of I don't know, like. The, the kind of energy around this and the intensity of the the noise and and the response is is much greater than even room was um yes and tr- i suppose it's a function of television versus film you know in the sense that like this goes into everybody's house if they want it and so you can have this simultaneous um uh like huge numbers of people can if they happen to like something watch it at the same time and the film is a slow rollout and a different kind of thing but maybe it's also where we are you know it's the fact that people are uh hungry for something which is meaningful to them uh, and it seems to have come at a time where it was really welcome to people so i mean no it's it's impossible to get used to this i think um you know it just yeah i was saying to my wife the other night um uh, it doesn't it doesn't sort of feel real because i was just watching this stuff roll in and you know, people's comments about it, which felt like you'd written them yourself in a kind of drink <laughs> fantasy of, of what would it be amazing if people felt this way about the show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard, hard to process. 
Uh, you seem to appreciate it more now, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, yeah, I think as you get on in this, you sort of realize how, and you know, how sort of long the road is in a way and, and that there will be lots of things that won't, you know, be te- be sort of, uh, won't land with people or there'll be times where things don't work out. And I think you do recognize how unusual and um, kind of great the good things are and that you should take a moment to kind of appreciate that. And it's so much of it is down to luck as well, not to forget that. And there's elements of this that feel almost there. It's new ground is kind of slightly experimental in terms of form, in terms of like the length and you're kind of playing with how you're putting it out. How do you feel? Do you feel like those things were kind of risks that you weren't sure about and they've kind of paid off now? I mean, I think, I think we've benefited from, from some other things that happened before us, which were kind of teasing this shape, you know, if you look at something like Fleabag, even though it's comedy, mm-hmm. there's a kind of emotional depth to it and a sense that each episode is a really rich thing, you know? Um, and I, and so that was there in that. But nobody, I don't know if people had really done like proper full-on drama in this way. And uh, we always felt it was very natural. It was a very natural length and a very natural structure for the book because the book is quite in some important sense, uneventful, you know, like in the literal sense, there aren't that like not a lot happens. And somehow focusing smaller, more kind of um, more micro focused, um, like very uh, close views of things and, and kind of tracking small and delicate changes that occur between the characters that in some way that gives it a sense of scale that you don't have in a longer episode. It's odd. But it has the opposite effect than than you might think. In other words, it makes things feel more um, more precious or more significant. And but of course, you don't know that's going to be true. Um, and I think we're the show that probably benefited from those earlier experiments and managed to uh, you know transpose it into drama in a big way. And and I suspect now there will be lots of things pitched, um, love stories and the like, but other things as well that are in <laughs> short episodes. Yeah. Um, what was it? Was there anything in the material that might surprise people that attracted you to it that wasn't kind of obvious? Um, I think it was a tonal thing, really, in Sally's writing, you know, just this kind of directness in her writing. Mm-hmm. And and I am always fascinated by by an equivalent of that in in filmmaking, which is a a, a, a sort of an apparent simplicity of presentation. Mm-hmm. which is close to the conventional, but which manages to sort of transcend it somehow. And I felt that was in the book, and, and that was something that chimed with me. But also, I was interested in the fact that quite a number of the scenes in the book which affected me most were scenes where the characters spoke with a kind of honest clarity to each other. And that is sort of counterintuitive from a conventional dramatic point of view where you're supposed to have things that are hidden and people that are sort of maneuvering subconsciously or consciously with each other. And, but I love this idea that it is just the pure emotional kind of meaning and intensity of the, of what lives between the two characters 
that makes that work. And that's quite a challenge on screen, you know, because um, you don't have all the usual like plot dynamics or um, jeopardy or or kind of high drama to work with. But just I, I just that feeling, that instinct, that something kind of quiet and truthful in her novel was really powerful. And could we do the same, something quiet and truthful in the in the TV series? The extraordinary in the ordinary, as it were. Yes, absolutely. And that's um, all what you sort of try, what I try to to do, not in every film in the same way, but but just trying to refresh the the, the kind of perception of of things um, for people, you know, so that things which would be experienced in life as sort of habitual and normal and unremarkable can become visible on screen. Do you bring much of yourself, your own experiences, um, your own kind of feelings in, into like your directing work or do you kind of try and keep a distance? Oh, no, definitely do. I mean, it depends on, on what aspect of the thing it is. Sometimes it's a, it's a sort of there's a kind of very purely aesthetic thing to be done in that you're trying to evoke place or, well, actually, no, I think even there, um, it's always out of yourself, really. Um, and I do, I, I, gravi I gravitate to, to characters where I think there's something that I can kind of think about that's interesting to me and, and kind of relevant to me, whether directly or kind of obliquely. But like Jack, um, Rainer in what Richard did, um, there's a kind of uh, aspect in there that's the kind of lostness to, or like that 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 kind of movement you have in yourself, where sometimes you feel distant from yourself and 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 alien from yourself. And I find that's something I've experienced a lot, and I'm fascinated with characters who don't understand who they are at all, and for whose experience is a kind of um, puzzle to them and and so I, there are a lot of characters like that of different sorts who kind of discover that they don't quite understand themselves and i find that really interesting that's certainly true in in a few of the films so uh, outsiders really yeah yeah outsiders or insiders who don't really make it for whom that doesn't make sense you know connell is an insider in a way but very alienated from his his himself in in some ways and and that will be true of Richard as well, I suppose. Mm. Do you just to get off topic in terms of normal people for a bit? Um, do you do you have a, like a roadmap for your career at this point, or are you are you waiting for the next thing to draw you in organically, or how does that kind of work at kind of the level you're at now? It's it is it is kind of organic, but I suppose at, depending on what like what time period you think of, like I don't know what I'll be doing in. 10 years, for example, mm -hmm. but I sort of have a sense of what I'll be doing in the next three to four. So that that's that's how, like, at the beginning, you're just trying to, you know, get to the next rock on the, you know, on the stepping stones across the river. That's all you're trying to do and not, like, end up in the water. Um, but, but now it's, you know, I'm very lucky that I'm in a position where I can kind of control my own um, career. And... So I have, what will happen is, you know, just in the mechanics of it, mm -hmm. in conversations that I'm having all the time with Ed and with um, brilliant people in Ellen Pictures like Emma Norton and Chelsea Hoffman. And there's some brilliant people that I'm, I'm very lucky in with my agent, Rachel Harroyd, and in the States, um, Adriana Albergetti and people like that. It's just material 
either that I'm interested in and throw into the mix or that comes within the group as something to look at um, or indeed comes from outside, although that's rarer. Um, out of all that, like, things announce themselves as things that are really worth pursuing. And although some of them will fall away, the core of them sort of remains the same. And they just you're just kind of working on those all the time and trying to find, you know, the next thing then becomes the thing which feels most ready and that you're most compelled to do. And that's financeable. Um, I mean, and I'm lucky again that that within a sort of pretty broad band of things, we can get what we want made. But then there are projects that are just really difficult to get financed and, you know, they'll have their moments if we're lucky. But so probably, yeah, I know what the next thing is. And I know out of two to three things, what the thing that's after that will be. And that's probably about three to four years worth of work. Hmm. And is there um, a certain, so you kind of have, you kind of have a kind of almost like a filtering system there because I assume like you you're getting lots of offers all the time yeah so and that's a funny thing at the beginning like I used to be when it started well anybody like even looked at you at the beginning you know yeah we have a young dog right and whenever you kind of say her name she like rolls over and starts wagging herself around the place. And I'm not suggesting <laughs> not suggesting that I was like that, but you would you would feel the significance of any kind of you know contact. You do you you'd do anything to get out for a run, essentially. Exactly, I would do anything to go and have a sniff around the park, and <laughs> um, and uh, and then you know, and and also I I sort of felt like now you know there is a lot of stuff, but it is filtered because, um, like my agents won't pass everything on it. They'll know like a lot of stuff just wouldn't interest me or isn't serious or the people aren't kind of, uh, you know, honorable or whatever the hell it is. Like there'll be, there's that. And then I will read a few things, but I think, um, generally speaking, unless there's a role for me to get in really early in the process, like I prefer to be there from the very beginning in the conception of the thing. Um, and, but sometimes, you know, there are other ways where you find something and there's a way of kind of thinking, thinking what's interesting and then guiding it towards that. But I, I can't see myself, maybe, uh, like it might happen, but a script arriving and me going, that's perfect, I'm going to shoot it. Because I don't know if there's anything, like a p- big part of what I, what I want to do, that, that shaping would have been done, you know. Um, and it's not just about making good things or it's not just about making things that are successful. Um, that would be an easy... Uh, metric you know you just go well is this going to be great yeah okay i'll i'll do it i have to think that i'd be able to learn something or and that sounds very po-faced i don't really mean that but it has to kind of engage me at a level where um i want to do it because i'm really interested in it mm-hmm. you know not because i think oh this could be a, a winner so you haven't been tempted by like a, a marvel comic type thing no, I mean, I haven't, I don't think, nothing, like, I haven't had a straight offer of one of those. Yeah. Nobody's come to me and said, okay, do you want to do the next Star Wars or something like that? But I have had, like, do, would you like your name to be in the sort of hat for that stuff question? Right. Uh, right. And I, I've said no, um, because I just don't even want to start thinking about it, because I don't think I'd really enjoy it. I think there are some people who have managed to take their pleasures and, stamp themselves on big studio material like um i suppose you know some of the some of the like tiki what tiki and people like that mm. um and i think if there was a time where i i felt light enough to just want to 
step away from the other stuff and felt that that was a possibility, maybe. But I don't even think so because I just don't... It's just not a passion of mine. And the world is not short of peop- of, of um, material like that. There's a lot to enjoy for people if they want it. In fact, if anything, our, our kind of arteries are a bit clogged with that stuff. So it's really hard for other films to even find a way into the cinemas. So I kind of feel like that's unlikely. Um, I have had other things which are tempting, you know, which are sort of big prestige projects, you know. They're a bit more kind of... There's a bit more danger there that you might have your head turned because you can kind of say, oh, well, it's sort of proper as well. Yeah. You know that you know it. I don't know. Something about me anyway. I kind of know what I what I am right for or not right for. So I've kind of managed. But you're not afraid of it in any capacity in terms of taking on something that that would what's what seems at least on the outside to be daily anxiety. (laughs) Ramped up to like to the the million. Um, No, I'm not actually in the funny way. I think because I have a bit of perspective on it and I, and I think I'm also, I also am quite good at managing the political madness that can occur in the middle of those, you know, middle of projects. Um, but I think there's a level of that, that at which point you probably can't, and that must be really, really horrible, but I wouldn't be sort of daunted by it. I mean, I might be intrigued by it. Um, and I think, I think what be fr- I think what would worry me is just that there's a level of frustration that you can get into, where, you know, if it, it the more people involved in things and the more dysfunctional those power relationships are, the more kind of it's about that politics, the more likely it is that the worst person in the group will make the decision about things. Mm-hmm. You know, the person least least able to make the decision in any particular um, at any particular moment will probably make that decision. And I just think it's unbearably annoying. It's the same feeling you get, actually. So to describe it, it's the same feeling you get if you're listening to the radio and somebody is talking absolute nonsense about something you really care about and you want to throw it through the window. It's that sort of level of... Like uh, Liveline, for example. Well, do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> that, what, what put that in your mind? Um, actually, you know... Did you, yeah. did you see the, uh, did you see the uh, kind of like TikTok video guy did? Uh, oh, for that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, I love. Um, I listened to I only listened to a bit of live one because um, <laughs> my, my wife's from Poland, right? And and um, she was kind of her eyes were out in stalks because she. I said, look, don't worry, it's fine. If this is you're listening to an echo from 1953, this isn't. <laughs> this isn't now, you know. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was kind of amazing. Uh, you know, I was there was once another one. Um, Adam and Paul. When Adam and Paul came out, there was a. It had a sort of moment within the first few weeks of of growing very big, like comparatively big in Irish Dublin cinemas. And like there, there were some calls in, negative calls about Adam and Paul, and it was amazing. Into Joe, and they had a program where most of it was about Adam and Paul. And then brilliantly, all these people rang in, including lots of users and ex-users, to say no, it was. It was true, and um, they liked it, and you know. Uh, so, so that was my last. You know, it's quite a distance between the two, but my second, <laughs> my second go on the pony. Brilliant uh, publicity, you know. It really is. I mean, it, as if you needed it, but uh, you know, oh. if anything, it's it's very much a case of everybody kind of coming, you know, the cavalry coming over the hill to the rescue to go. No, fuck off! Don't don't you tell me artistically 
what I should be watching and what I should be engaging with. I thought that was great. There were some really amazing people who rang in. Um, all that, like people were texting me to say, even from inside the production, said, go on, go on, we dare you, ring in. <laughs> I thought, there is no way I'm having an argument with Tommy on RT1 about, you know, riding on the telly. I think that would be... Um, <laughs> um, when you're preparing for some, for example normal people what's kind of your process do you do you watch a lot of stuff or do you read or what do you do yeah so i i do i watch a little bit and i sometimes um yeah i do sometimes watch some stuff so what will happen is like i get i'm really involved at the script stage and that's where so much of the sort of thinking happens and that throws up all sorts of questions about tone and as well as all the technical story crafting stuff that you know i try to help with because i i can feel what it will be like on screen and see where the bumps might be and um and all that um yeah so i I usually gather some music and things that just feel like they're relevant and they're actually to be honest not always obviously connected with what it is like I, i sometimes will watch if i want a palette cleanser you know just to sort of reset my say say classic film storytelling module if i just want to shake my head clear i i can i would watch i could watch something like no country for old men mm. which is just an exquisitely made film from a from a from a classical shot choice and it's just it's just there's just so much in there like i could watch a couple of scenes from that and i find it really stimulating yeah. and that i might just do that even with something like normal people which has got nothing in common with it but it just, and then I, I watch something completely different, like a much looser um, style of storytelling, just to remind myself. Just again, it's like a, it's like a sort of limbering up exercise, just to remind myself of the scope and breadth of possible approaches to even a simple scene. So it's that kind of watching. Like I might have with a, I might have just gone and watched stuff, you know, other other pieces of television around that time as well, just to remind myself as well of what the landscape was like. And I found that quite useful. Like I watched bits of sex education, bits of euphoria, for example, mm-hmm. because I because it sharpened my sense of what was different about normal people to to those shows. Um, and I do that. I look at photographs and, and then I start to do some of that watching and and, and looking and listening with. Um, usually with the DP, that would be the person that I, as I get closer to the shoot, start to try and find as much time as I can to, to spend with the DP. In this case, it was Susie LaBelle, who's just a brilliant Irish cinematographer. I mean, she's just fabulous. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were just watching and she would find a clip of a film. I'll tell you, we watched a film which I thought which was relevant to this called Witness. I don't know if you've seen it recently. It's about mother and daughter. Jehovah's Witnesses, really good British, recent British film, quite small, but it just felt like it had something. So you find these references in the odd places. Um, And then I find, yeah, so that's part of the process. The other part is, well, there's all the stuff that's happening because it just has to start happening, like casting and locations and everything. They happen in advance of proper pre-production. And what I'm trying to do is get as much like hard thinking done before all of the just, um, relentless stuff starts to pile up and then you get like no time to yourself no time with the dp it's just you know recce's meetings uh, logistics um and really important things like wardrobe and hair and makeup and all those things are really important but like for your own directorial head i think what what 
a lot of people directing find very difficult, particularly at the beginning, is just just as you're about to rub, sort of sit down and take a deep breath, rub your hands together and say, okay, let me prepare myself for this. Just as that's happening, like six to eight weeks out, there's a tsunami of like box folders effectively just fall on your head. And then it's just sorting through all this kind of stuff. And everybody has questions all the time. And really, most of them end up with you. So, um, and, and it's trying to be able, like, I think the best thing you could do as a filmmaker is learn to, learn to function in that mess and still keep some level of kind of uh, space for yourself in it if you can. Um, and then, you know, I also find it like the other thing for me is that I find the show or the film again when I start to rehearse. Well, casting, first of all, because in the casting, you're watching people, you're listening to, to the words. I everything's mostly things change a lot at that point for me. So I would go back and that would have implications for scripts. Um, and as you start to look at different people playing, you see different possibilities. Even the people you don't cast can teach you something. And and then once you get into it with the people that you do cast and you get to do some rehearsals and readings with them, that's another point at which you can feel the flavor starting to kind of percolate through. And so that's another important phase. And then again, first few days of shooting for me are still really testing those ideas. And you have to be prepared to to make changes. Like on the first day of what Richard did, we shot a scene and I realized after I shot it, so a particular aspect of what we were doing wasn't going to really work very well. And I just said it to production and made sure we got to, um, it was a short scene, grab it again. And I just changed some, a few sort of key things after that. And you just kind of have to be prepared to do that. Have you ever got so far down the line where you have to do like an, an Eric Stoltz and have to kind of replace someone um, unwittingly, you know, which was unwitting, unwitting to you at the time, but... After a bit of time passed, you're like, oh, this is not working. We're going to have to do something radical here. Or change tack in some way. Yeah, no, luckily not. I mean, I, I've, I've definitely, you know, you will discover some weaknesses sometimes in both crew and cast. Um, and I have had to, like, once or twice sort of part ways with um, crew. Nobody very senior, but like once or twice just in particular departments where something wasn't working and it's never nice but you just have to do it if it feels like it's just not right and mm -hmm. um, never had to replace cast there are times where i felt like i don't think we've been in that position where i think on something really huge there may be a point where you could do it i think it's very hard on things which are more modest in scale and you probably just have to try and make the best of it and I've never been in a really bad position with a, with a, a lead actor at all, thank God. And the casting has always been really strong. But there have, yeah, you will notice things about people, and you just have to think your way around it and minimize aspects of the scenes or particular scenes that are going to make that a problem. And I think you have to be light on your feet. I mean, that's that's probably the the hardest part of it, really. And that's you know just to be sort of prepared to to rethink something. If a scene's not working, you know, while you're shooting. That's very stressful for people. It's really, really stressful. You're never going to get back to that location, maybe, and you're, everybody needs to make, you need to make your day, and that, it could be an important scene, and that's, that's it. That, and you have, like, you've got your four to eight hours or whatever's left of the day. And then I think the, the, the pressure on you to just convince yourself that it's okay 
because of the pain of not it not being okay is the risk and um but it never helps to just go oh, it'll be, it'll probably be okay you just have to deal with it there and then and and and, and do your best and it might, doesn't always work out but at least at least you just don't you're not kidding yourself you know you're prepared to admit that it's not right yeah honesty is the best policy right um yeah. Can we just have a couple of, uh, and we don't have a huge amount of time with you, so we have a couple of questions from people from within our community. If we can just rattle through a few sure. quickly with Please. you, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah, you can do like a speed round kind of answer two on each of you. Yeah. Um, around the time that uh, this is from uh, Gavin Ryan, uh, around the time that what Richard did came out, you said in an interview that you were working on a project about the Jewish quarter in Dublin. Uh, sounds really interesting. What's the crack with that? Any plans to get back to us? Well, yeah, actually, what that's morphed into is, is, a, is a project about my parents. And um, part of that project takes place in the 50s. And a lot of it would be around that. So it's, a, it's, a, it's turned into something else, but that will still be part. Yeah, that's a world I will definitely visit if I get to make that film. So it's a potentially a goer, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, how did you find working with another director um, on a long-term project and having to hand it over? Did it affect your process or did it did it complement it in any way? That's I mean, a lame gallery. I think it's... Um, <clears throat> I was in the lucky position of being the person who started the show and I was with it from the very beginning, from the, the commission and the pitch and all that. So I got to cast it and to sort of set the tone. So in a way... That was a lovely thing for me, and it. But I didn't want at the same time to tell Hetty McDonald, who's a brilliant and very, uh, you know, loved and award-winning director, what she should do. So I just did what I felt was right, having talked to her very early on, and le allowing her to see everything I was doing, so she had access to all the rushes and all the off cut, uh, rough cuts and everything as we went, and then just trust her um, to do something interesting that is, was aesthetically true for her, but also she's never doing anything that would sort of blow what we'd done in the first half that, you know, I just knew that. So I didn't need to sort of oversee her or anything like that. Um, but I did find the handover hard. The, the lucky thing was that we, we shot it in two blocks, you know, so I got to do my block. She got to do hers. It wasn't like we were going in and out of each other's, uh, sort of sets and, and doing different scenes from different episodes. So, um, I found it interesting because I was interested in what she did and how she kind of inflected the material. I also found it frankly hard because I just really loved working with the actors and it was tough. Was it a case of, was it a case of this is going really well, I don't want to let it go? Kind of in a way. Yeah, a bit of that. I mean, but we always knew. I mean, I, ha I had the option to direct. I could have directed it all if I wanted to, but I think uh, we would still be in post-production now. We would be, you know, it would have been a much, much longer process. And I didn't want to do that for everybody's sake. And I also wanted to be able to get onto other projects for myself. Mm. Was there anything that was daunting going into normal people for you? Yeah, I think um, the daunting thing, probably apart from the length of shoot, you know, it was a long shoot and, and it's a big operation. Probably just the intimate scenes were the daunting things because, there's so much of them and there's so many of them, I should say, and they're very, very important. It's really important to get them right and do justice to the novel and, and at the same time to make sure that the actors and the crew feel that it was a positive and creative and collaborative experience. That was the most daunting thing. Have you always been comfortable working with actors and was, you know, was there anything kind of different with, is there anything different with younger actors? I know you would have had good experience with what Richard did. Yes, um, 
I really like working at, with actors. That's a huge, big part of it for me. And that's like where I, I, I'm interested in actors. I'm interested in their processes and I learn things from them about the, the idea by watching them work. And, you know, so I, I think of them as a source as well as as some as something that I'm involved in sort of moving around the screen. You know, they're also something that I'm I'm learning from within the project. Um, but I love working with young actors because there is just this level of enthusiasm and um, energy that is just, uh, you know, energizes the whole operation, energizes the whole crew. And I've been really lucky because, you know, Jack could be a friend now. And I think I'll always be friends with Daisy and Paul, who are both extremely lovely and kind and uh, talented people. And, you know, the industry is very tough. So some people get battered by it in ways that are, you know, tough for them and other people don't other people maintain their the most delightful sort of lightness and humanity but some people it does hurt and so you know especially actors because they're so exposed and that means that there is you know a kind of there are times where people can be really quite difficult um and the glory of young actors is that that's just almost never the case they're just you know they're just dying to get out there yeah. What would you, this is just another quick question there from uh, uh, Roshan Jones. What would you do now in terms of getting your foot in the door based on your experiences up to this point? What would you do if you were starting now to get your foot in the door? Um, I think times are much better. You know, there is there are, there are opportunities, uh, you know, there's funding and there's there are places to go at, at sort of right from the very beginning, you know, even... Uh, you know, and there's YouTube and there's there are phones and everything. So what I would do is I would try and make things. I, and I would try and make them in a not in a haphazard way. I would try and sit and either write them or work with a writer, work with a friend who writes. It, I'm talking about the very beginning now. If you've no if you've no exposure or experience and you haven't you're not going to film school, start making stuff. That's the only way you can do it. If it's good and interesting in any way, you will stand out. And People are dying for that talent. You know, there's always a sense that the industry is kind of closed and or not always a sense, but some people really get obsessed with that. But there's some cabal of people trying to keep people out. Now, yeah, the, you know, the stone cutters are out to get you. There's an agenda. There's no agenda. There's no agenda. People are absolutely so keen to find people with talent. Now, of course, if what you want to make is really really either highbrow or experimental or or um difficult it's harder to find your people because you know th but that's just the way the world is there's nobody out there trying to stop you and um, what 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 people are looking for and it's, it's actually odd because if you wanted to make it in i don't know medicine or politics for example um this your style as a person you know how you come over your kind of uh, all of that becomes significant. Everybody's judging all of those things. Nobody cares about that in in um, in film. If if there's talent there, it doesn't matter, and nothing else matters. And I think so. I think be optimistic, work really hard, and keep, and start making stuff and showing it. Mm. Do you do you just from uh, Liam Ward, uh, Liam Malcolm Ward? Do you pre -vi uh, pre visualize stuff, or do you go with your instinct on the day? I, I go with my instinct on the day mostly, but with a lot of prep, a lot of sort of thinking about the scene, what it's really about, um, its rhythms and its kind of moments and what it what it's doing in the overall narrative, most importantly, like where it flows and how it flows in the sequence. And um, then I probably have some shot plans drawn, but they're very rough and they will change. 
but I, I don't storyboard um, unless it's a stunt or something like that that really requires it for other people. So I, I find it just kind of closes you down on the day and you've got to you have lots of ideas about how you'll probably do it, but then be open to it when you watch it on the day. Mm. Uh, one question, just which we tend to ask everybody who comes on, um, just to wrap up. Um, how do you deal with rejection? Um, I probably like everybody else, you know, by feeling sorry for myself and um, alternately angry and miserable, um, self-pitying, and then just wait, eat, eat a lot, and then wait until it goes away, and then start, and then start again. I mean, it's really important to, to deal with rejection. Well, I mean, the whole, part of what Richard did as an idea is examining what it's like to be sort of in quotes blessed to the point where when you are rejected you can't handle it you know failure you can't deal with failure because people will always at some point have to deal with failure um i also think if there's something to learn from the rejection you know i think the worst thing to do is to be the worst thing is to become bitter and blame the rejector like it may be the case that they're wrong quite lightly but but they probably don't they're probably not doing it maliciously so it'd be kind of good to understand what it was like from their point of view and why they might have rejected you. So see if you can learn something from it and then do whatever kind of self-care routine you do to get past the self-pity part and back to life. Mm. That's great. Um, well, thanks so much for uh, giving us your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll get to chat to you on the next project as well. Uh, I look forward to really enjoyed it. Sorry it's taken me so long to come on. But uh, oh, I really appreciate it. Cheers, guys.